Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right, get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com slash BP. Buy low, sell high. Very easy to say, but not always so easy to do. For example, high interest rates are hurting the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices in a lot of markets are falling, even for many of the best assets. So it's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com pockets, fundrise.com pockets. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, everyone. Welcome to On The Market. I'm Dave Meyer, your host, and I am here with two bigger pockets and investing legends. We've got Henry Washington, who's here a lot. Henry, how's it going? What's up, buddy? Glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you for being here. And we also are bringing back, I think you are our first two-time guest, Jay Scott. What's going on, Jay? I am doing great, and I am thrilled to be your first two-time guest. I I can't wait. Hopefully, I'll be your first three-time and four-time and five-time also. Woo! Woo! All right. Wow. I like it. Yeah. I mean, I think your episode about investing in a recession uh, might be one of our best, if not our best episode of all time. So if you haven't listened to that already, you should check that out. Jay, uh, has written a book about, uh, recession investing in all sorts of market cycles, uh, particularly useful in this type of <laughs> economic environment. But Jay, can you tell people why you're here joining us today? Yeah, I'm here today because you wanted me to be here because you and I are getting ready to release a book, our next book for Bigger Pockets, and you were too ashamed to self-promote and announce it yourself. So <laughs> you brought me on to announce it so you wouldn't have to look bad. Um, That's exactly right. <laughs> so we're here to talk about a lot of, or I'm here to talk about a lot of things, but uh, would would definitely want to mention that you and I, Dave, um, are releasing a book called Real Estate by the Numbers. It's coming out uh, in a couple days, I think October 13th from Bigger Pockets. It's now available for pre-order, and basically it's all about um, how we can better think like investors. So how we can think more strategically, how we can employ um investing concepts that that really successful investors use all the math that goes on behind the scenes that we need to 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 underwrite deals um and how we should be thinking about investing um from the the most basic level like underwriting deals to how we should be thinking about structuring our business and structuring our portfolio uh basically to to be a more successful more profitable investor that's perfectly right, and thank you for taking the uh, taking the responsibility of, of the shameless plug. <laughs> uh, you know, we got to do it. But uh, I do want to mention that it, it is available for pre-order for like two more days. And if you do pre-order it, there are benefits. Jay and I are both giving away coaching calls. Uh, we're going to be hosting a webinar um, that you can attend. It's like a live Q&A. There's a couple other benefits. And you can use a discount code uh, DAVE to get 10% off. Or Jay, I think 
Do you have a code also? Yeah, J Scott. Okay. Or you could either use the code Dave, D-A-V-E, or J-S-C-O-T-T, J Scott, uh, for 10% off. So you should check that out. So uh, it's a great book. Uh, I think you should uh, read it. I think Henry actually even wrote a little blurb about how much he loved the book on it. Yes. Uh, you, know what's, you know what's funny is if I were to direct somebody, like if somebody came to me and said, hey, Henry. I really need to know about what are the best rules of thumb or financial equations or like, how do I get really good with numbers? Who do you know at bigger pockets that could help me with that? My 1000% answer would have been like, Oh, you got to talk to Dave and J Scott, like talk <laughs> to those two people. Those are the ones who can really break down the numbers for you. And so the fact that you actually wrote a book called real estate by the numbers, it's almost like, it's like a meme. Right, like of course, of course, Dave and Jay Scott wrote a book, Real Estate by the Numbers. That is one thousand percent who they are. So I think it's yeah. So I think people should take advantage of that because, like, you want people to speak on the things that they are passionate about and that they know the best. And if I know anything about the two of you, is that you're passionate about data, the numbers, and real estate. So that's super exciting. Well, thank you, Henry. I don't. I don't want to thank you, Henry. I, I don't want to spend the whole episode talking about the book. There's so many more important things to talk about. But I do want to point out that Dave and I we worked for several years on this book. Um, this is my fifth and by far the hardest book that I've ever worked on and, and no way I would have uh, like accomplished it at all, let alone it be as good as it is without Dave. So um, we put a lot of time and effort and blood, sweat and tears into this one. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, I am probably... I, I'm more excited about this book launch than any of the other four that I did because I, I really think this book is going to help more investors over the next 10, 20, 50 years um, than anything we've ever written. All right. Well, I we will get into the meat of this episode because we want to hear about what Jay is doing with investing. But I am also excited because I now have like physical proof to all like my teachers and guidance counselors who said I'd like <laughs> never graduate college or do anything with my life that I have done something with my life. So there. I, I like how he says he has physical proof and he just kind of holds up an invisible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't even exist. I'm just holding up nothing. <laughs> but in a couple of weeks, I will. <laughs> this this is what they meant, Jay. What what they said I never <laughs> It was all a dream. All right. Well, let's take a quick break, but then we are going to talk to Jay all about his investing and what. He he's doing in this very confusing economy. And we will be right back. We know you've heard it before. Cash flow is getting very hard to find. There's always long distance investing, but you may be thinking, I don't have a team, enough experience or the market knowledge to get in. That's where you're wrong. And it's also where rent to retirement comes in. Rent to retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed, allowing you to invest out of state with confidence. They've got single family, multifamily, new build and syndication opportunities across multiple markets. They even have bird deals with immediate equity. Rent to retirement helps investors learn how to build a bulletproof business plan with the best investment and tax strategies around to help you reach financial freedom through real estate. There's no excuse not to get started in real estate investing when you have the right team and systems already in place. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com. Or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation home owning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. Top real estate investors love to talk about how they save so much on taxes, but how are they able to build rental property empires while skirting Uncle Sam? 1031 Exchanges. 1031 exchanges allow you to defer capital gains taxes while you sell an investment property, exchanging your old property for a bigger, better one and avoiding the tax man while you do it. 
And that's where First American Exchange Company comes in. They're the leaders in 1031 exchanges. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting, First American Exchange can help you with simple rental property exchanges, complex commercial real estate investments, reverse exchanges, and more. Don't let your taxes eat into your profits. Visit First American Exchange Company at firstexchange.com or call them at 800-556-2520. That's firstexchange.com or 800-556-2520. Keep your money in your pocket and propel your portfolio further at firstexchange.com. First American Exchange Company does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your financial, real estate, tax, or legal advisor about your circumstances. First American Exchange Company. Safe, smart, secure. Okay, so Jay, tell us about your, you know, read of the the economy and what are you doing in your investing business right now to adjust to these very confusing market conditions? Yeah, I, I wish I had a better answer than what I'm about to give, but um, I think right now is very much. I'm, I'm not stopping investing. There's never, there's no reason to ever stop investing if the right deals are coming along. Um, but I'm certainly being a little bit more introspective and and sitting on the sidelines a little bit and kind of waiting to see where things go. Um, probably not for too much longer. I think we'll have a, a good bit more clarity in the next month or two. Um, but um, so everybody knows that we're. Experiencing some high inflation, and that's leading the the Federal Reserve to raise interest rates to kind of slow down that inflation, which is leading to higher mortgage rates. And now debt is more expensive. It's harder to 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 get a loan, or it's not hard to get a loan, but it's harder to get a cheap loan um, to buy your real estate. And so nobody really has any idea of how high interest rates are going to go. And um, and so we're we're kind of in an uncertain time right now. Um, but what I will say is that um, even though some other asset classes, I mean, the stock market has struggled a little bit recently and crypto is down like 80% and um, and and other asset classes that I look at are, are down a good bit, real estate has stayed pretty strong. Now, certainly there's a few markets around the country that things got so hot over the last couple of years, places like Seattle, San Francisco, Boise, Idaho, New York City. Um where things are starting to slow down a little bit and we're seeing uh, prices actually decrease in, in a few markets. But for the most part, in most markets, um, and I know it's going to be a couple weeks before this episode's released, hopefully nothing's happened in those two weeks that make this this statement look idiotic. But for, for the most part, most <laughs> markets have, have, been pretty, uh, have been pretty resilient. And so what we're seeing is um, there aren't a lot of sales. Um, sellers aren't really lowering their prices and buyers aren't necessarily willing to come up to the high prices right now. So what we're seeing is a drop off in sales. We're seeing um, increased inventory in a lot of these markets um, and, and we're seeing lower transaction volume. But the nice thing is we're not seeing desperate sellers. We're not seeing um, a, a real, I mean, foreclosures are up a good bit percentage wise, but they were so low that even the, the, the big jump percentage wise doesn't translate to like big numbers. So for Foreclosures are still relatively low. Lots of people locked in long-term, really low fixed-rate debt um, a couple years ago. So, so I don't see right now a whole lot of desperate sellers, um, which means prices are going to stay relatively strong. Now, the downside is, is, as real estate investors, we don't mind if prices drop because we just dollar cost average and buy more real estate. Um, but what I expect over the next at least six to 12 months is that we're going to see um, uh, just a stagnating market. We're going to see prices that don't really go up, don't really go down. Uh, we're going to see um, sellers that aren't really willing to, to budge off their prices because they don't have to. We're going to see buyers that aren't really willing to, to come up to the seller's prices um, just because they don't know where things are going. And, and so I think it's going to be kind of a quiet six to 12 months despite the fact that we could be facing a big recession in the economy and, and other parts of the economy uh, could be getting much worse. So it's, it's kind of interesting uh, that we're facing a, a lot of uh, economic headwinds, but real estate could really just be boring for the next six to 12 months. Yeah, man, that's that's super interesting. I kind of I, I kind of share your perspective. I think things are just kind of going to 
stay where they are. I don't see much of a drop coming in prices in most markets. Like you said, some markets are going to see somewhat of a drop. But um, we've got this, uh, what, did, what did Jamil call it? We've got this standoff happening in real estate until uh, until there's some change that has uh, an actual major effect. Um, one thing you did mention that I want to ask you about is you you did say that like you're not stopping investing but also have been kind of waiting on the sideline. And so can we can we define that for people? Because I, I think there's a lot of investors out there who feel like they should be waiting on the sideline. And I don't and I think us as investors, when we say that, we're really meaning like I may not be as actively, aggressively searching for something to pour my money into, but I've still got my eyes out there, and if something comes along, we're going to jump on it. So, like, what is it? What is really? What does that really mean to you? Well, here, here's the big thing: I can stay active, and we can all stay active in real estate um, without buying or selling anything. So, I'm actually using this time to investigate some new asset classes. So, there are some asset classes that I think are are, are likely to do well during a downturn. So, over the next year, two or three, uh, there are a couple asset classes that I'm starting to look at. And we can talk about those, but but just at a high level, um, I'm using this opportunity. Um, one, like like you said, I'm I'm not stopping investing. I'm I'm still looking for deals. I'm not finding as many deals. I'm not finding as many opportunities. Um, but if a good deal comes along, I'm going to jump on it. Uh, but at the same time, I'm using this kind of slowdown um, to do research, to learn how to underwrite other asset classes, to build relationships um, with operators in other asset classes. When I say other asset classes, I don't mean outside of real estate. I mean, um, instead of focusing on multifamily, which is what I've been focused on the last few years, um, I'm starting to investigate other commercial niches and I'm still buying some single family stuff. Um, but I'm trying to kind of see where the market is going, where the economy is going in the specific locations where I'm investing and seeing what opportunities might exist outside of the core asset class, again, for me, multifamily, um, that I've been in. And, and what I like to tell people is um, that you don't necessarily ever have to stop investing. You may have to move to a different location, or if you want to stay in the location, you may have to find a different niche or a different asset class or a different business model. But if you're good at being flexible and you're good at pivoting, and this is why, and 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 to go back to the fact that the, the book Dave and I wrote is so important, um, it, it's really important that you're able to um, evaluate deals in different ways. Um, we all probably know how to underwrite if we flip houses. We all know the, the equation to, to, to evaluate a house flip. Um, and if we hold a rental, a lot of us know the equations and the, the formulas for, for how to evaluate um, a, a, a single family buy and hold. But the reality is every deal is going to be analyzed differently. Every asset class is going to be analyzed differently. And there are lots of different ways to look at deals and look at markets. Um, and there are lots of different reasons we invest in real estate. And so using this time to really educate yourself on how to look at deals from different perspectives um, and how to maximize the returns on deals um, with, with other things other than maybe cash flow or other than maybe um, just equity growth. Um, there's a lot of things that we can be learning and, and doing right now. Um, to really find these needles in a haystack and to find other asset classes that might be more um, more advantageous where given where the market's headed and where the market currently is. And so what I'm spending a lot of time doing is, one, I'm not stopping looking for deals, um, but I'm really trying to get familiar with with other asset classes and other business models and other niches um, that I can leverage to, to really grow my portfolio in a market that's about to change. Jay, can you remind everyone what your primary niche is currently? And then talk a little bit about some of the niches that you think are going to work short term or maybe some of the niches and opportunities you're excited about sort of for the on the longer term perspective as well. Yeah. So long term, I'm excited about everything. Um, honestly, <laughs> we, we've talked about this before. Uh, go back and listen to the last episode we did uh, of this podcast that I was on. Um, but the reality is um, that historically speaking, recessions don't last that long. Um, and so if the if the Fed started raising interest rates six months ago, um, on average, between the time Fed the Fed starts raising interest rates and starts dropping interest rates is about two years, just over two years. The longest it's ever been is about three years. 
Um, so um, if, if history is going to repeat itself, which it normally does, we can expect that in the next year and a half to two and a half years, we're going to see interest rates starting to come down again. Um, so if you're a house flipper, if you're a buy and hold investor, whatever you do, most likely in the next two to three years, it's going to be a great time to do it again. Mark, uh, the market's going to have, have recovered and, and interest rates are going to come down. Everything's going to be good. Um, that's, that's longer term. From a shorter term perspective, the next 6, 12, 18 months, um, what I like about real estate is that there's a segment of real estate called commercial real estate where values of properties are based on the income those properties produce. So if I go and buy a single family home, like I, I live in a house right now, the house that I live in, the value of that house is going to be impacted by the value of all the other houses around me. So if, if, if somebody goes to sell if I go to sell my house right now, I'm going to look at what my neighbor sold his house for last month or what the guy down the street sold his house for three weeks ago or whatever. I'm going to find other houses that are similar to mine, what we call comparables or comps. Um, and whatever they're selling for, that's probably what my house is worth. In the commercial real estate world, and when I say commercial, I mean like anything that you, you use um, that generates income that's bigger. So multifamily or self-storage or mobile home parks or office space, whatever it is, the value of that real estate isn't based on what the, the building next door sold for or what the, what, the, what the complex across the street sold for, the value of that building or the value of that real estate is based on the income it's producing. And if it makes more income next year than it did this year, the value is probably going to go up. And so the reason I really like commercial real estate right now is because even though values may drop on a comp basis, even though single family values may go down or stagnate over the next 6, 12, 18 months, in the commercial space, as long as rents are going up, we're going to see values going up for the most part. Now, there, there's there's another component there, but, but for the most part, if rents are going up, values tend to go up. And so the question we need to ask ourselves is, what are those asset classes where we expect income to go up? So multifamily, that's the niche that I'm in. Um, I, I own a bunch of apartment complexes. Um, and what we've seen over the last couple of years is this trend towards, this trend away from home ownership and this trend towards renting. Um, more people are renting, wages are going up, people are moving to, to certain population centers. So if you're in the right market with, with good population growth and good wage growth and good employment growth, um, you're going to see that rents are going up. And so I really like multifamily in a lot of these markets because I know that rents are going to go up, which means values of my properties are going to go up. Um, and so any asset classes where you think um, income is going to go up over the next couple of years, that's a good place to be. Historically, during, uh, during recessions, people move from bigger houses to smaller houses, but they don't like to sell their stuff. What do they do with their stuff? They put it in storage. So historically, self-storage is counter-cyclical to the broader economy. If the broader economy is doing worse, self-storage is doing really well because people need a place to put their stuff when they downsize. So I really like self-storage right now. Um, mobile home parks. Mobile home parks tend to do pretty well during a recession because it's kind of the, 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 the lowest common denominator for housing. And so a lot of people that, that have to move out of their house or out of their apartment, a lot of them will look for a mobile home. Um, and so typically mobile homes do pretty well during recessions. Um, other asset classes that I like right now are uh, industrial and warehouse. Um, so we're seeing this shift away from um, in-person retail. People aren't walking into stores and malls as much anymore. This isn't a revelation. Everybody knows this. Um, they're ordering off of Amazon or they're ordering off of, of, of other online retailers. Um, and these retailers need to be able to ship in 24 or 48 hours. And so they're opening warehouses all around the country to make their basically their, their fulfillment and, and delivery systems more efficient. So lots of big companies like Amazon are buying warehouses all over the country, as well as smaller online uh, retailers doing the same thing. And so what we're seeing is demand for these light industrial warehouse uh, lots and, and, and warehouses um, has been going through the roof. And so I really like that because I think that trend is going to continue. Now, there are other asset classes in commercial where I think income is likely to go down. 
um, office space. So we saw a ton of, of, of office space open up after COVID uh, simply because everybody was working from home. And a lot of companies have recognized um, that this work from home thing is actually working okay for them. Not saying everybody. Some companies like are starting to say, tell their employees to come back to work. But for a lot of companies, they've recognized that, that this work from home movement is a great way to save costs for the company. And so they have all this office space that they may have leased for a year or two years or three years or five years. But at some point, that lease is going to come due over the next couple of years and they're not going to renew. And the, the landlord, the, the whoever's holding the, the building, is going to have trouble leasing this office space. So office space, I have a feeling, is going to be one of those um, asset classes that's going to start to contract over the next year or the next couple of years. Um, retail. So retail tends to not do well during recessions. People don't go out and shop as much. Certain types of retail do well. If you own an anchor store, like a grocery store or um, kind of like the big store on the, the, the corner of the, 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 the shopping center, that might do well. But in general, retail and strip malls and, and mall space isn't going to do well during a recession. So I'm staying away from retail. So this is basically what I mean by there are going to be opportunities out there, but you really have to understand how the market works. You have to understand how the economy works, and you have to understand how the two work together, how the economy impacts uh, the real estate market in certain asset classes. And so I'm starting to do research on those asset classes that, that I think are likely to do well over the next couple of years, as well as starting to build relationships with other operators who are working in those asset classes so that I can either learn from them, I can partner with them, I can invest with them, whatever it is. That's super interesting because we have taken uh, some time this year to do almost exactly the same thing. And so we, I purchased my first commercial uh, office complex this year, and also we're looking at um, uh, a trailer park. And so uh, all that to say, not to not to toot my own home, but the, the, I'm agreeing with the point that you're making is that there are other niches, and there are niches that are going to be better suited to the economic conditions. It's an echo to what you said in the beginning. There's always room to be an investor. It's just about what you invest in, what price points you enter at, and then what your return on that investment is. A good deal is a good deal is a good deal. And we say a good deal is based on what you're getting it for in that current market condition. And so you can get a good deal in any market condition. So I, I love that you're you're looking into those things. And I hope that encourages some people to think not necessarily outside the box, but just be smart about what, in, in sports, we call it take what the defense is giving you, right? And so you look around at your environment at what, you know, the defense or what the country or what the economic status is giving you, and then you look for the opportunities there. So that's awesome. Yeah. And another thing to keep in mind, um, I, I think one of the reasons I, I, I like real estate right now, I love real estate right now, is because I think the long-term growth trends are astronomical. Um one of the big concerns that the Federal Reserve has now for anybody that's listened to some of the recent press conferences or 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 um, read some of the things that that Jerome Powell Federal Reserve has released over the last couple months um, is this concern for housing. And they're not concerned about housing because they want us real estate investors to continue to do well and make money. They don't care about that. They're concerned about housing because they know that if we don't continue to create more housing, um, that we're going to have affordability problems, that we're going to have a housing crisis where people can't afford to live. Basically, the Fed is telling us we need housing to do well because we need builders to keep building and we need people to keep providing housing for, for all the people that can't afford a place to live uh, or a place to buy. Um, and so um, I have a feeling, and not just a feeling, but the data supports this as well, um, that there's going to be a whole lot of housing, millions of units, literally somewhere in the three to five million units that are needed over the next five years um, to support all of the people that are looking for housing and all of the people that can't necessarily afford to buy and are looking for rental housing. And so, um, so if you're a landlord, if you're a developer, um, if you're a multifamily investor, um, this is going to be a fantastic place to be over the next five or 10 years. So what I would suggest to anybody is if you're flipping houses right now, start investigating uh, how, to, how to buy single family rentals because there's going to be a great opportunity and, and, and it's going to be a very, um, uh, a very powerful asset class over the next few years. If you're already buying single family rentals, 
start looking into multifamily and and looking into going bigger because again it's not that difficult to to do bigger um, in, in the residential space um, and so start thinking about how you can scale up your business if you're in multifamily or if you're a single family landlord start thinking about development because there's probably going to be some good opportunities i'm not saying this month or even this year um, but over the next several years there could be some great opportunities for you to be doing either ground up development or infill development which means basically buying a house knocking it down and rebuilding it um, and so learning these new skills now while everything's kind of slowed down and boring um, is going to be a great way for you to be making a lot of money come two years from now or three years from now or five years from now i see too many real estate investors that are so focused on what they're doing day in and day out that they're not thinking about how am I going to be able to, to make a lot of money two or three or five years down the road. Well, now's the time if you're not doing a lot of deals, now is the time to be reading and learning and studying and building relationships that you can leverage a couple years down the road when the market's really going to need more rental housing. I love that, Jay. This is such a good synopsis of the long-term prospects for real estate investing. Like It is there's just a supply shortage in the in the market. Like there's going to be so many ways to profit from that over the next couple of years and not just profit from it, but like provide housing for people that need it. Like you are providing value to society and you could benefit from it personally too. Like it just, to me, that's, I agree. That gets me super excited about real estate investing over the next couple of years. A couple of the, the asset classes you talk about, um, to me at least, when I was getting started, felt a little daunting, like retail, Henry, you're just buying office spaces. Uh, what would you say to people who are ready to get into the market now, or maybe they're in one of those markets that are have already you know, settled down or maybe is going to keep growing over the next few years? Do you think like now is a good time? You know, Would you caution people away from single family rentals right now if they can find good deals? Or do you still think those are possible to be profitable in in the next year or so? Um, well, let me start with the, the first part of that first. Um, yeah, people, people are definitely scared of these bigger asset classes. Um, I know that when I started, like, I used to think that people that owned apartment complexes were, were special people. Like it, it wasn't people like you and me. I grew up uh, living in an apartment complex. It was probably literally one of the largest apartment complexes in the country. It was something like 1,600 units. Um, and and um, and so my idea of an apartment complex is you've got this billion, multi-billion dollar company that, that buys these things and that's who owns apartment complexes. Um, and um, what I've realized over the last couple of years is no, there are a lot of mom and pop investors like me and you and Henry and, and other people who are buying up apartment complexes or buying office space or buying retail space. Um, we're not talking about necessarily having to go in and buy a billion dollar shopping mall um, or having to go to New York and, and buy uh, a skyscraper for office space. Henry, tell us a little bit about uh, about the office space you built it, or that you bought um, and, and like break it down for us in a way that makes it sound like it's really not that daunting. I imagine it probably wasn't once you broke it down. Yeah, no. Um, you know, I, the way I approached it is the way I probably advise someone who's new to commercial real estate investing. I had a general interest in wanting to understand it better. And so the way I went about doing that was obviously on my own research, but I made, uh, I made, I was, I put intention around networking with people who already do it and are good at it. And so I was able to then create a friendship with someone who thrives in this space. And then we started looking for deals together. And then as deals would come across, we would analyze them. And then we would make, just like in in, reg, in, 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 real, in residential real estate, we would analyze the deal. We would figure out what we think the value is based on the income that it's making. And then we would figure out what we think the value could be based on the income that it would be making if everything was at market rates and in good condition. And then we made our offer. And when we made our offer, the financing worked almost the same as how it does when I buy my residential properties. The only difference was the evaluation was based on the money it brings in, right? And so um, we put the deal under contract. We went and looked at the property. We, we did an inspection on the property. It had an appraisal. And then we bought the property. We then met with the tenants and we either are renewing leases at market rates or we are um, going to bring in new tenants at market rates. The only major differences between 
this deal and what I did, what I do in the residential space was these new leases are going to be on triple net leases, right? Which is not something we can get in residential, but it's super sweet if we could. And, and, <laughs> uh, and, um, and then the evaluation and, and the value of it is based on the income that it brings in. Those are really the only two things that were different. And so as I got into doing it, first of all, I partnered with somebody who's an expert. So that way, when I do my analysis and when I looked at something, I could be looking at it through the wrong lens, right? Because I've never done it before. So I had that sounding board to bounce things off of. And then um, so I partnered with somebody. I brought value to the table. And then uh, I learned along the way and I'm still learning. And what I've learned was that it's not much different than the process I've been doing with residential minus a few things, but the values are higher and the income is higher. Um, and so uh, that's what I, that's what I would, would tell people. It's, it's daunting until you surround yourself with people who are doing it. And then it just seems like the thing to do. Yeah. And, and, and I, I think you, you hit a couple of really important things there. And Dave, I have not forgotten your, your, your main question and I will come back to it. Go on. You could ignore me. Don't worry. About that. <laughs> <laughs> Henry's got more interesting, interesting things to say. Anyway. Yeah, but but the way he described it is the same way you would describe buying a single family re- rental. Basically, you have to find the deal, um, and then you have to to underwrite the deal or analyze the deal and and figure out do the numbers work, um, and then you have to figure out how to make the money part, the financing part, work, um, and then you have to manage it on the back end. And so at the end of the day, these are the same steps we take, whether you're buying a $100,000 single family house um, or a $100 million skyscraper. And so so I just want people to start thinking from the perspective of, yeah, the, the, the nuts and bolts change. You need to learn how to underwrite different types of deals. Finding these deals are going to be completely different than finding single family deals um, and structuring the, 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 the loans and the, the money you put in is going to be different. Um, and then managing it on the back end is going to be different, but it's the same four steps. It's finding, underwriting, capital stacks or financing it and then then managing it. And so um, so it's it's really I would encourage everybody out there, um, don't not think big. If you want to be doing single family, that's fantastic. I did single family for 10 years. I love single family. Um, but don't stay in single family just because you're scared to move out of it. Um, if you want to stay in it, great, but but don't think you can't do other things. Now, getting back to your original question, Dave, do I think single family is still a good asset class to be in? Absolutely. Here's the thing. There's more single family houses out there than any amount of commercial real estate in the in the country. Um, so opportunity is obviously larger. Um, and here's here's the other thing. Um, real estate in general, single family real estate in general is one of the best hedges against inflation on the planet. Um, and we're all concerned about inflation. I think we're not going to see seven, eight, nine, ten percent inflation like we have the last few months. Um, but I think there's a really good chance that over the next five or ten years, we see inflation a little bit higher than it's been the last ten years. Last ten years, it's been under two percent. Um, most likely, over the next ten years, it's probably going to average two and a half, three percent. And so. What is real estate? Why is real estate good when you see a lot of inflation around you? Well, number one, if you look over the last hundred years, real estate in general, single family real estate in general, in most places, tends to track inflation in terms of home values. Um, so we like to think over the last couple years, home values are going up 5, 10, 15, 20% a year. That normally doesn't happen. Um, but if inflation's at 3 or 4%, Home values are likely to go up at least three or four percent per year. Secondarily, the best part of real estate is you can get loans against it. You can get the bank to give you money, and they can give they'll give you money at this low interest rate. These days it might be six, seven, seven and a half percent, but still um, you can refi it in a couple of years if, if if rates go down. But the best thing is your mortgage payment never changes. In 20 years, when your income has doubled because of inflation and and everything, all the money you're making has gone up because of inflation, that mortgage payment's going to be exactly the same. I mean, I know people that that got loans on real estate 20, 25 years ago. They're almost done paying it off, and their mortgage payment is like three, four, five hundred dollars a month because they locked in debt 30 years ago when everything was so cheap. And and now and and when I say three, four, five hundred dollars a month, that sounds like little, but back then that was a lot of money. 
because we didn't have 20 years of, of, of inflation. So yeah, I, I love single family real estate and, and there's never going to be a bad, as long as, as long as we see inflation and we've, we've had inflation pretty much throughout the, this country's history, as long as we have inflation, single family real estate is going to be a great place to be. Um, and so obviously you need to know how to underwrite your deals. You need to know how to analyze your deals and look at the numbers. And right now you might want to be a little bit more conservative than you have been in the past. Um, and you want to be more cognizant of the location that you're buying, buying places where populations are growing, people are moving, employers are coming in, um, laws tend to be landlord friendly. As long as you're focused on those things, you're not going to make a mistake buying real estate that you're going to hold for the next 10 or 20 years. I love what both of you are saying because you're reinforcing the idea that if you learn the principles and concepts behind analyzing deals, it applies to single family rentals, it applies to multifamily, it applies to trailer parks, self-storage, office space. It's almost like if someone wrote a book that taught you how to analyze those deals and to learn all those formulas, that that would be super helpful. So that's me giving you a shameless plug for Jay and my book. We have two of them now. We'll give you one more shameless plug. We won't do more than three. And, and, but here's the, here, here's the thing. It's not just about the numbers and the formulas. It's understanding that for any deal you do, you have to ask the right questions. Um, and, and Dave and I came up with this, this idea back when we started writing the book a few years ago, that instead of just throwing a bunch of formulas out there and saying, here, learn the math, um, basically we decided to write a book to teach you how to think about how to, how to, how to do these investments. Um, and, and we wrote a book that starts, every chapter starts with a bunch of questions. Here's the questions you need to be asking for these types of investments. And here's how to answer them. And so it doesn't just teach you to fill in the blanks or put put numbers in a spreadsheet. Um, it teaches you how to ask the right questions and be thinking about investments. Because I have investing situations every day that come up where I don't know what formula to use. I can't just stick the numbers in a formula because I don't know a formula. I, I give an example in the book um, where, where I had a house that I was selling a couple of years ago and um, I, I listed it for sale and I got two really quick offers. And the first offer was full price, full list price, cash, close in like two weeks. The second offer was from another investor who really wanted the property, but he didn't have the money because he, was, he had another deal that was closing and he told me it was closing seven months from now. And basically he said, I'll pay you, I'll close on the property, I'll buy your property today, but I can't pay you for seven months. Like you'll have to like wait seven months and I paid cash so I could do that. I could hold the note, I could do what's called seller financing. Um, and, and he said, I'll pay you in seven months, I'll buy it now, but I'll pay you in seven months. Um, and he said, I'll pay you more than list price. And so I needed to figure out how much more do I need to be selling this property for in seven months so that it's a better deal for me than selling it for full list price today? And so once I knew the right question to ask, and that was the question I needed to ask, how much is a property going to be worth in seven months to me? Or how much do I need to sell a property for in seven months um, for it to be worth it not to get the money for seven months? And once I realized that's the question to ask, well, then I can figure out what formula or what, what concepts to use to plug the numbers in and, and figure out what that number was. And at the end of the day, this was a real deal I did. I went back to the guy. I figured out like how much more I would need in seven months to make me actually get the same amount of money. And then I bumped it up 10000 I went to him and I said, here's how much I need. And he said, okay. And I knew that I was actually getting a better deal waiting seven months for my money. And so that's, again, that's not something where I could just have said, okay, stick it in, into this formula and, and, and get an answer. I needed to understand the concepts behind, in this case, something called time value of money. Um, if I wasn't going to get my money for seven months, how much more do I need to get to make myself whole? Well, learning about the time value of money legitimately changed my life more than almost anything. Like once you understand and like can incorporate that concept into your everyday thinking, your spending, your investing, it's, it's really honestly life-changing. Henry, I'm curious, are there any like, do any like formulas, investing tricks or concepts that you have come across in your career that have sort of just opened your eyes that really sort of changed your perspective on 
investing or money in general? Yeah. Yeah. So for me, I'm, I'm mainly single and small multi. Right. And so, um, I sh- like my whole business is based off of the 70% rule of thumb, right? Like it, for me, that's my measuring stick to, is this even worth my time? Right. If I'm cause, cause what it did was when I was first starting out, I would have to go look at every single house and then you do the dance of, you know, do they want retail? Do they not want retail? And um, you waste a lot of time. Now, when you're new, I actually encourage you to do that. The more houses you can walk into and evaluate and make offers on, the more experience you're going to get. But as you close more deals, that time that you're putting into that is better used on deals that are actually going to produce the income. And so I had to figure out a way to still evaluate property and scale still make the amount of offers I need to make, but not have to physically go put myself inside of every property before I knew that. And so I know everybody understands or most people have a general understanding of what the 70% rule is, but understanding it and then putting it into practice in a, in, in a way that's going to benefit you financially are two different things. And so for me, everything gets run through that filter before I'll even go put my time into looking at that property and making an offer. And I'm not saying that that rule is a hard and fast rule, but what I needed was something for me to say, Hey, this is, this is probably worth your time or this is less likely to be worth your time so that I could spend my time on the ones that fit better. And so for me, I evaluate everything through that lens. If I'm talking to a seller and I can get them to tell me what they want and it doesn't seem like it's going to fit at a 30% discount. And then I don't even, we don't even waste the time. It it directs the conversation that I have. Can you just quickly though, explain to anyone who doesn't know what the 70% rule of thumb is? Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's as an investor, if you're going to, if you're going to make money on a property, typically either as a rental or make profit as a flip, it's that you need to be buying a house at a 30% discount or buying it at 70% of its value minus the repairs that it's going to take to fix that property. And when I started just running it through and you I mean you get you get good enough where you're just running it through it in my head but yeah typically if I'm talking to somebody and I know their house in that neighborhood is worth a hundred thousand dollars I get it there's no house worth a hundred thousand dollars I can hear you all already but (laughs) just for numbers sake if I'm talking to somebody and they and I know that their house is probably worth a hundred thousand dollars and they want 95 for it then that's a lead that is less important to me than one that's worth a hundred. And they've already said they'd be in, they'd entertain an offer of less than 70. Right. And so it helps me prioritize where I'm going to go to first and then prioritize who I'm going to make offers to first. I love that. Yeah. It's a great way. Yeah. It just allows you these kinds of rules of thumbs, these concepts allow you to, to scale your business a lot faster than you would when you're running everything single deal through a calculator, treating every lead equally, uh, spending a lot of time uh, just in random houses. I felt really old uh, when I, I bought a deal that I had been in twice like it had been in the market and sold and then I came back to it and it's because it, like when I first started I would go to like every open house I was like whatever whoever will show me a house I will go <laughs> but you quickly learn that that is not sustainable um well thank you both uh we do have to start wrapping this up but this has been super helpful Jay is there anything else you think our audience should know about investing in in this current climate or any uh, words of wisdom for people who are are trying to get in right now? Yeah, I'm going to use anybody that's listened to me speak more than two or three times has probably heard me say this, but um, for for anybody out there that hasn't heard it or that just needs the the, the reinforcement, um, anybody out there that's looking to to get that first deal. Um, I don't believe there are any secrets in real estate. Um, it's it's go to bigger pockets. It's all out there. Um, but if I had to pick that one idea that's the closest to a, a secret in real estate, it's this. It's this. Um, I've met two types of real estate investors in my life. Ninety-five um, percent of the people of the real estate investors I meet have never ever done a deal. 
Um, they want to do a deal. They're trying to do a deal. They're thinking about doing a deal, but they haven't yet done a deal. That's 95% of the investors I meet. The other 5% of investors I meet have are, are people who have done three deals or five deals or 10 deals or 50 or 100 deals. There's one type of investor I hardly ever meet, if ever, and that's an investor who has done one deal. <laughs> and there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. Because if you can do one deal, if you do one deal, you're going to do a second and you're going to do a third and you're going to do a fifth and you're going to do a tenth. It's so hard to get that first deal. But anybody that does recognizes the second one becomes so much easier because all the pieces fall into place. And the third one becomes so much easier after that. And the fifth one and the tenth one, they all get easier. So if you're one of those people that's on zero deals right now, just remember, if you can get to one deal, you will do three, five, 10, 50, 100 deals. You just cannot stop until you get to that first deal. Don't give up until you get to that first deal. And once you do, you're going to realize, wow, this really isn't that hard. And now I understand and all the pieces have fallen in place and everything's going to get easier. So for anybody out there that, that needs a little bit of motivation, don't think about how hard it's going to be to do 10 deals because it won't be. It's hard to do one deal. And as long as you don't give up before you do that first deal, the rest of this business is easy. I love that. That is, I'm feeling inspired now, Jay. That was good. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I totally agree. That's, that's a good point. I don't know anyone who's, who's done, who's been in the game for, who did the deal like five years ago. And I was like, eh, I had enough, you know, that was good. Exactly. Well, Jay and Henry, thank you so much. Again, if you want to check out the book that Jay and I wrote together, it is available right now for pre-order. Uh, if you use the code either Jay Scott or Dave, you'll get 10% off and a chance to win coaching calls with either Jay or myself. And I uh, hope you check it out. I think you'll really like it. Jay, where can people connect with you if they want to do that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, anybody who wants to connect with me, uh, go to www.connectwithjscott.com. Dot com and that'll that that'll link you out to uh to to everything you need to know and also let you get in touch with me directly if you want to and henry i know that everyone who has an instagram account already follows you your instagram is so, <laughs> so popular but if there's like three people out there who don't know yet what's your uh, where should people connect with you yeah best place instagram i'm at the henry washington on instagram all right thank you both for being here and thank you everyone for listening we'll see you next time for on the market on the Market is created by me, Dave Meyer, and Kaylin Bennett. Produced by Kaylin Bennett. Editing by Joel Esparza and Onyx Media. Copywriting by Nate Weintraub. And a very special thanks to the entire Bigger Pockets team. The content on the show On the Market are opinions only. All listeners should independently verify data points, opinions, and investment strategies. The housing market is changing, and finding your way right now can be a bit tricky. There are rate shifts, there are confusing headlines, but at the end of the day, your goal hasn't changed. You probably still want financial freedom as much as ever. Well, the good thing is that experienced investors know it's not about trying to time the market, it's about the amount of time you have in the market. And if you're ready to get into real estate investing game, you can still do that, or you can take your game to the next level by finding an investor-friendly agent. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in just a few minutes. You head over to biggerpockets.com deals, enter in some details about what you want, where you want to buy, and boom, you instantly get matched with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investments in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose.
BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.